Take your Bibles this evening and turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And on the PowerPoint, if we could make our way to Roman numeral 4, that'd be helpful. Thank you, Todd. You know, I want to say thank you to the guys who work the sound booth. Uh, the only credit they get normally is when something goes awry. And uh, so I do thank them very much. The fellow who was working the sound this morning when I was leaking air was Clem Rademacher. Phone number. <laughs> no, no. He's not even supposed to be there today. He's subbing in for somebody else. And what are the chances? So Mr. Kruger owes you big time, a lunch or something. Um, There are some handouts if you forgot yours or you lost it. It's been a challenge getting through this uh, in Missions Emphasis Month, but slip your hand up and the ushers have some. I really would encourage you, if you don't have it, make sure you get it. uh, Because we're covering, covering so much material, it really is impossible to take it all in. And it is absolutely valuable, and uh, especially for those of us with children in our homes or grandchildren. Uh, to, and, hey, if you're working with people at all, if you're a human being, you ought to have one of these. And uh, use it for your devotions. Go back through, look up the scripture. A lot of it I just put right there for you, and uh, it can be a real help to you. There also is the study guide, study guide number two on the foolish. And they're available in the foyer on your way out. So don't forget it. Pick it up. Do it with your family. It'll be helpful to you. You're in Proverbs chapter 1. I'm going to read a passage from Psalms, the Psalms before we read in Proverbs chapter 1. And in Psalm 107, verse 17, the Bible says, Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. They're afflicted. They suffer. We're not just talking about a physical ailment. We're, just, we're, we're simply talking life in general. Their lives, their lives, the life of a fool is afflicted. It is a hard, grievous life. And uh, the psalm goes on to say, Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near the gates of death. Destruction is what it's talking about. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meats. Um, how many of you like pizza? Yeah, I like pizza. How many of you like pizza? You know, I like Gina's pizza. Is it Bongiorno's? Is that the one over off uh, Beecher? Yeah. We get our pizza from there. That's good pizza. You've got, you got the smallest waiting room you've ever seen. You just all cram in there and hold your money and wait to give it. It's fun. And uh, it's kind of old school. It's fun. I like pizza. I like a lot of toppings on my pizza. How many of you like pizza when you have the flu? Well, that's what that verse is saying. Now, not pizza. He's talking about meats. And he's saying, spiritually, their soul abhorreth all manner of meats, that which is good. That which normally would be delicious, 
and sustaining and nourishing goodness and righteousness and truth to a godly person is life-giving, but to the fool, it's detestable. And that's what he's saying there in that psalm. It says in verse 19 of the psalm, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. And I want you to know, as we're studying through this this, uh, character in Proverbs, this personality of the fool, I want you to know, you may be guilty of, we're all guilty of being fools in, in different situations. Certainly at different times in our lives. Maybe there's some here this evening and you'd say, Pastor Seth, I know I'm a fool. And I haven't stopped. Well, there's hope for a fool. Then They cry unto the Lord in their trouble. He saveth them out of their distresses. And then he tells us really how. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You're in Proverbs chapter 1. Look with me, if you would, at verses 32 and 33. It says, For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. And we're going to look at that in a little bit. And then it says, verse 33, But whoso hearkeneth unto me, and wisdom is what's speaking in, verse, in chapter 1, Whoso hearkeneth unto wisdom shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. You know, you and I don't have to live in fear of destruction. We don't have to live our lives afraid, waiting for, waiting, waiting to reap what we've sown in a negative way. We don't have to live our lives that way. And, and I've played the fool in my life more times than I can remember and uh, probably would want to admit. But I want you to know, if you've played the part of the fool, you don't have to be a fool anymore. And you can turn away from it. You can turn to God in humility and say, Oh God, please forgive me of my, fo- my foolishness and my rebellion. And God, would you make me wise? Would you give me wisdom? And, and he'll do that. Let's pray and we'll, we'll get into our notes this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you that it is truth. Father, I pray for us as a church. Uh, Lord, this, this series has not played out like I would have liked you. It's spread out and detached and we can't hardly remember our notes. Let, let alone keep things together. And, but Father, despite that obstacle, I pray that you, by your Spirit, would work in our hearts. Maybe, Lord, doing it all together, one after another, would have been too much or been overwhelming. I don't know. But Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts through your word tonight. I pray that you'd make application in our lives. Help us as parents to see these things in our children. Help us to be humble as parents and honest. Help us not to make excuses, uh, lest our children grow up to be a fool and suffer severe destruction. I pray this for our leadership within the church. I pray that, I pray these things for our membership within the church. Help us, Father, to be wise, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Look at Roman numeral four, and I'll go ahead and give it to you. It's up there already. Um... Roman numeral four, dealings with a fool. How should you deal with a fool? Let's say you're in leadership. Let's say you're a mom or a dad. Uh, let's say uh, you, you're working within the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church and you oversee some ministries and some other folks and there's someone in, under your authority 
that may have the characteristics of a fool. Uh, What do you do if you're at work and you have somebody working under your responsibility and they have the characteristics of being a fool? Uh, how, how do you deal with it? What, what, if, uh, what if you have a son or a daughter and they're dating and you, all of a sudden you realize why you and the person they like haven't been hitting it off and it's because they're a fool? What do you do? Well, let's see what the Bible says. Uh, dealings uh, with the fool. There's the rebuke and the rod. Now, I'm not saying that you should spank your daughter's boyfriend or... Anything like that, as enticing as that may be, I don't recommend that. Um, let's, let's go ahead to letter A here. There we go. Um, letter A. Um, it says, rebuke the fool the right way. Rebuke the fool the right way. Now, in your handout, there's a, there's a passage of scripture. Do you see it there? Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. Do you see it? Listen to what it says. And this has been a passage of scripture that it could be confusing. Let's read it. He says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, according to his foolishness, lest thou also be likened to him. Then in verse 5 he says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So my question is, which one is it? Answer not a fool in verse 4, or answer a fool. What are you supposed to do? If... If your spouse is behaving foolishly, if your child is behaving foolishly, if a mom or a dad is behaving foolishly, how do we respond? And the first one is, answer, answer not, answer not. In verse 5, again, he says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou be also like, or be, lest thou also be like unto him. Answer not. Don't answer in like manner. And that's what he's saying in this passage. In other words, a foolish individual is going to use hasty, angry, empty words. They're going to be quick to anger. They're lashing out. You don't ever, you know, the furrowed brow. And I can't understand. And, and they're full-blown into foolish mode. What, do you, what should you do? You know what we're prone to do? We're prone to respond in the same way. Have you ever noticed that? You haven't? You have. You have. We tend to do that. Uh, when, when there's a little bit of a disagreement, and, and there's, it's possible to disagree and come to a conclusion together in unity if we're both walking the Spirit. The problem normally happens uh, no one's going to be foolish if they're walking the Spirit. So that person's walking the flesh. It's obvious. Brows furrowed. They're breathing heavy. Vain words, empty words, angry words are starting to spill out. They're frustrated. Maybe they're hungry. Maybe they're overly tired. Whatever the case, they're playing the role of a fool. And the tendency and the temptation for all of us, and this could happen in the workplace, is to respond to them the same way. Because we're going to speak their language. And God says, answer not a fool according to his folly. Don't respond in the same way. Now that's big. That's big. Fools often will incite the worst in you. Okay? Don't let it happen. Okay, so what, do we, what should we do though? Um, in verse 5 he says, answer. So we're not to answer in like manner. We're not to use hasty, angry, vain words. But we are to answer. And as parents, there's a lot of application here. 
We are to answer. In verse 5 of that passage, he says, Answer a fool according to his foolishness, his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. He's conceited. Unless he start to think that he can get away with his rebellion, and he establishes in his mind, and he wouldn't say it this way, but this is the way God would say it, foolishness. And the fool would say in his mind, that's the best way to live my life. That's how I deal with my parents. That's how I deal with authority. You know, I just kind of throw my weight around, use some angry, empty, vain words, and I can get my way. You don't want to teach your children that that's possible. And so you have to answer them. And the answer is consequences and correction. And as parents, we have to show, we have to show the error of the fool's way so that the fool will not become hardened in his sin. If the fool becomes wise in his own conceit, if he considers his actions to be wise, then he will become entrenched in his position and will possibly become a uh, scorner or a sluggard. And it will literally become his character. And you don't want that. Uh, Letter B, uh, rod and restraint. Rod and restraint. Those are your blanks. Affliction is compared to the bridle of a donkey and the whip for a horse. I'm not, and the Bible's not advocating whipping a horse. We don't, we don't use horses all that often. Anybody here have horses? Okay. I've, uh, we used to have a horse. Uh, his name was Sinbad when I was young. Younger, I was about 15, 14. We had, his name was Sinbad. He was part Morgan and part Arabian. Beautiful horse. Black mane and tail, had a star, one white stocking. Beautiful. He used to throw me off him. You know, you'd be in there brushing his body, his large body, and he would turn around and nip you on occasion, you know, just for fun. We were close like that. <laughs> I didn't nip him, but he would nip me. He really was a pretty good horse, and we had a lot of fun with him, but Sinbad was stubborn. He was very stubborn. Again, that's about my extent of, of interaction with horses. But if we lived in the days where horses were our main mode of transportation and Pastor Burden got out his buggy, you know, and got his horse all hooked up, and here come the burdens, you know. Can you just picture that? I, that's just a great picture. I enjoy that. I just enjoy that picture. Aaron, you're not up for going back in time. All right. But, you know, some horses, not all horses are well-trained. Our horse was green broke, really, when we got him. And uh, so he would. He, would, he had some bad habits that had to be worked out of him. And uh, so for those of you who would say, well, you should never whip a horse. Well, I don't know. We never beat the horse. But there were times we helped him. We reminded him that he wasn't in charge. And I mean like a little flick, you know, just a reminder. But there was no beating. I, I'm pretty sure he would have killed me if we had tried that. <laughs> Look at Proverbs 26, verse 3. He says, a whip for the horse... Okay, people use that, not recommended, but people do or, or have throughout human history. A bridle for the ass, for a donkey, they put a bridle. Uh, these, these, the whip and the bridle are used to help the horse do what it ought to do, what they ought to do. And then he says, and a rod for the fool's back. Why? Because a fool doesn't respond to authority really well. Why has everything, everything got to be so hard? Well, because his attitude is, what do they know? What do they know? Stop it. Stop it. Stop saying that. If that's you, stop it. 
repent of it. Realize, God has a word for me. It's called a fool. And it's not a good life. It's a terrible life. It's not a good life to live. Proverbs 10 and verse 13 is in your notes. It says, In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. In other words, the, the foolish person who's void of understanding is going to have to learn the hard way. The hard way. My parents are sitting here in this room, and there were many times in my life I had to learn the hard way. And you know what? It's just not a good way to go. Don't do it. It frankly can be a miserable existence. Don't, don't do that. Receive instruction. So, rod and restraint. Number one there, give caution. Uh, use caution, I should say. Use caution in giving honor and responsibility to a fool. Use caution. Don't, don't give honor and don't give responsibility to a fool. Okay? Um, Proverbs 26 and verse 6 says, He that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. You're, you're asking. You're asking. If you're a businessman and you're hiring a fool and giving him responsibilities, you are going to be in some pain, probably financially, business-wise. You might end up with ulcers. I don't know, but it's going to be frustrating for you. And literally, he says here, it's like cutting off the feet. I mean, try doing business like that. Proverbs 26 and verse 8 says, As he that bindeth a stone in a sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. Now, you see, when you sling a stone, you don't bind it in the sling. You set it in the sling and you let it go. One end opens up and the stone goes out. But if you bind the stone in the sling and start going like this, you get, you get the idea of what might happen. You're, you're going to catch it yourself at some point. And that's what he's saying. As he that bindeth the stone in the sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. You, you're, you're, you, should, expect, you should expect pain. You're going you're gonna to endure it. Proverbs 19, verse 10 says, Delight is not seemly for a fool, much less for a servant to have rule over princes. Number two, separation of close personal ties. How are you to deal if you're in a relationship, a dating relationship, with a fool? Or you have a friend who's a fool. Or you have some, uh, you've hired somebody who's a fool. Separation of close personal ties, if possible. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, He that walketh with a wise man shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Mom and Dad, did you read that verse with me? You say, my kids, Pastor Seth, are reaching out. They're reaching out to some of these kids. I know these aren't necessarily good kids. And, and I know, I can see, I wouldn't want my child to be like them, but God is going to use my child to reach them. God says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. This is what he says, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. It's called the biblical principle of separation. It's biblical. It's biblical. It's not going to be okay. Well, you know what? My daughter knows where the line is. My daughter will stand for righteousness, and I told her to be home by midnight, and she's going out with this group. And I say, what kind of, what kind of a group is it? 
Well, it's a rough group. But you know what? They need the Lord. And so I'm letting my daughter go out with them. My 16-year-old daughter go out with them until midnight. Is that wise for you to do that as a parent? It, it would be wise of a mom and dad if you find out your children are starting to, to, to run with a crowd at school. Forget stand out till midnight. They're just at school. They're hanging out with the wrong crowd. It would be wise for you to be proactive and sit down with your child and talk with them and ask them. Uh, normally, almost every day, I'll ask Ian, Ian, who'd you play with at recess? Right? Just about every day. You ought to ask questions like that. Who are you playing with? Hey, what are you doing? What'd you do? Where are you going? And young person, young person, whether you're uh, seven or whether you're 22, you ought to answer your mom and dad. You know, we went here. We're doing this. We're doing that. You say, well, my parents might get into my business. That's their job as parents. That's their prerogative. That's one of the blessings we get for feeding you. It's a privilege. You know, there will come a day, there will come a day where your mom and dad won't ask you who you're hanging out with. They won't ask you that anymore. But they have every right to ask you that, and you have every responsibility to answer them honestly. And do, do that. Answer them honestly. Tell them the truth. Make it a goal of yours as a child. I'm going to tell my parents the truth no matter what. And that no matter what's important. I'll tell my parents the truth no matter what. It'd be the right thing to do. Um, so there needs to be a separation of close ties. Look at Roman numeral 5, Roman numeral 5. And we see some dangers the foolish encounter. Some dangers that the foolish encounter. Uh, the first danger that foolish encounter is that they have success in the wrong path, in the wrong way. Now that seems kind of like, uh, that doesn't seem to go together, does it? To have success, but in the wrong path. You know, it's possible to be successful in man's eyes, in this life, in a wrong lifestyle, in a wrong thing. It's possible to lie and to deceive and to get away with it for a period of time. If you're a liar, if you're, if you're deceiving your mom and dad, if you're deceiving your spouse, you're not going to get away with it forever. If you're deceiving your employer or your other employees, if you're lying to them, you're not going to get away with it forever. I'm, I'm warning you right now, it would be better for you to say, Lord... I need to make it right. I'm going to go to my employer. I'm going to go to my spouse. I'm going to go to my children. I'm, children, I'm going to go to my parents. Uh, Mom and dad, this is what I've been doing. I'm sorry. I deserve the consequences. God, would you please forgive me? That would be much better for you to do that or for me to do that than to persist thinking that I can get away with it. Because sin, when it is finished, always brings forth destruction. Always, always, always. Mom used to uh, quote... And she would say, Seth, be sure your sins will find you out. And mom had a way to say it, of saying that very sweetly. And I can remember thinking, is she threatening me? Does she know? What does she know? She, looks, she has that look in her eyes like she knows something, like she might know. And she probably did know. She probably, moms know a lot of things. Um, so there's a danger uh, and that's to have success in the wrong path and in their own way. This will, become, this will lead to the, to the fool becoming wise in their own conceits and settling into their sin. I actually pray that, that my children, if they're lying 
or if they're deceiving or if they're involved in some sort of sin, I actually pray that God would expose that to mom and dad. I actually pray that for my kids. And not just to us, but to their authority. Lord, don't let them get away with it. Don't let them think they're getting away with it. Because when we think that we're getting away with it, the devil loves to tell us lies. And one of the lies he tells us is, see, you got away with it. You got away with it. And you know what? It emboldens us. We entrench in our position. And it, it's, that means the consequences are only going to be that much worse. Look at number two there. Uh, the second danger is that they begin to mock sin. They begin to mock sin. The fool begins to mock sin. And this is a transition in the life of a fool from being a fool to becoming a scorner. To becoming a scorner. Don't laugh at sin in the lives. We ought not laugh at sin in the lives of others. It's not funny. We ought not laugh at it in the lives of our own children. (laughs) Oh, she's so cute when she does that. (laughs) So cute. It's not cute. If she keeps doing it, it's going to ruin her life. Sometimes as a pastor, I have the privilege, and I do count it a privilege, of working with God's people where decisions have been made and consequences have come that are disastrous at a very high level. And it's a privilege, but it's not fun. It's not fun for the folks who have suffered and sown to the flesh and are now reaping the consequences of it. It's not enjoyable. And so I I emphasize this to parents with children in the home, and I've said it before, I think, a few times on Sunday morning, and I'll say it again now, but the biblical way to say it is in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our flesh, all of us, all people, men, women, boys, and girls, have godless, wicked, sinful, rebellious flesh. And Paul said, in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. That is... If it were possible, which it is not, for the Holy Spirit of God to be removed from me, and it's by Him, His presence, that I'm sealed into the day of redemption. It's by His presence that I am saved. But if the Holy Spirit could be taken away from me, then I would deserve death and hell for all of eternity. Because in me there dwelleth no, no good thing. And that's true for our children. We shouldn't, be dis- we shouldn't be surprised when our children do wrong. Oh, I can't believe she did that. I can't believe he did that. I don't know where he got that. You don't? Don't you? It's from their flesh. You know what we ought to be? We ought to be surprised when they do what is right. Whoa. They did what was right. That should be more surprising, really, if we're honest about who our, what our flesh is. And the scorner, the fool, will begin to mock sin. He's quickly becoming a scorner. Let's look at some conclusions. And there are a number of them, so we're going to move along fairly quickly. Roman numeral 6, conclusions. And we're going to make some application to our lives in general. Just humanity in general, our lives. Um, 
moral perversion, how we respond to correction, the use of words, wrong language, anger are key factors to help us identify whether or not we are fools. Uh, do you have a problem with your, your mouth? Do you have a problem with responding to correction? I'm not just saying you have a bit of an issue with authority in general. I'm saying you have a problem when you're corrected. I'm pushing the envelope here a little bit. None of us like to be corrected. I get that. But if you always bristle at it, if you're always frustrated with it, if you're always, your first response is to kind of go, I'm not going to do that, then there's a high likelihood at least you're responding in that situation as a fool, and it's possible even that you are a fool. Moral perversion. Are you perverted? Everything gets twisted around in your mind into something that's perverted morally. Um, if we are consistently dominated by lust, if we're short-tempered, particularly in an explosive manner, and if we bristle at dis, uh, and discount correction, and our speech is marked by hasty, angry, dishonest, or immoral words, then we're probably fools, or at least we're playing the fool in some way. Uh, there's a couple tests. Uh, number one, the test is, are you shaming your parents? Are you bringing shame to your parents? An excellent test, I think, is whether or not I bring shame upon the people that love me and are trying to help me the most, particularly my parents. Are you bringing shame to your parents? If you are, it's a sign of being a fool. Am I a joy to my, my family? Am I a blessing to my family? Or am, am I the cause of heartache? Am I the cause of heaviness? Am I the cause of calamity and destruction? Now, I, I'm careful, but all of us, to some degree, have caused heartache to our parents at some point in our lives. We did something, and our parents were, it was a head-scratcher, it was a heavy heart, it was a sigh. Okay, we've, we've all played the fool at times. And remember the psalm that I read to you in Psalm 107, we don't have to continue down that path. We don't have to continue on the path. Number two, the fool is ultimately the proud individual who trusts himself rather than God. Do you trust yourself or do you trust God? Do you count your thoughts to be more true, more dependable than what the Bible says? I don't. I don't put more stock in what I think than what the Bible says. I'm tempted to sometimes. But if you were to ask me point blank, Pastor Ferguson, do you believe... Do you believe this book is always right 100% of the time in everything? I will say yes. That is infallible. That is perfect. This is fallible. This is fallible. That is infallible. But a fool is a proud individual who trusts himself rather than God, and he tries to manipulate his life and organize his life. He tries to play God in his own life. Now, I'm tempted to do that sometimes. I don't think of it that way. Now, I'm going to play God for the next 10 minutes. I don't think that way. But you know what? There are times in my life where I'm trying to organize things the way they need to be in my life. Instead of just saying, Lord, I surrender all. I'm going to, do, I'm going to be content with what I have in life. I'm going, to, I'm going to be a wise steward of what I have in life. Lord, I'm going to work hard in life. And I'm going to be, Lord, give me wisdom in life. But Lord... What you've given me in life, I accept it, and I'm thankful for it. Uh, letter B, letter B, let's look there. 
Now let's just think about in life in general. It's humbling to realize that we were all born with foolishness bound in us. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, the Bible says, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. I've talked to you about biblical spanking of a child. You need to do it. You're not, you're not going to drive foolishness out of the heart of your child any other way. You say, you don't really believe that. I do, because that's what the Bible says. I do believe that. There are other forms of discipline, and you as parents use wisdom in using other forms of discipline. There might be times to take something away or give incentives. That's fine. But don't, don't, don't create a situ- uh, an individual who's always looking for, what are you going to give me? I'll do it if you're taking me to McDonald's. Other than that, you're on your own. Don't, don't create that monster. So in life, uh, look at number one. The call is for, for fools to be of an understanding heart. Of an understanding heart. Oh, we're not there yet. We'll get there. Don't want to give anything away too quickly. You should have a, a blank there, number one. The call for his fools to be is of an understanding heart. Notice he says heart in Proverbs chapter 8. Look over there, Proverbs chapter 8 in our Bibles. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 5, he says, O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be of an understanding heart. He doesn't say be of an understanding mind. This is a matter of character, it's a matter of choice, it's a matter of responsibility, it's a matter of accountability, it's a matter of moral discernment. Number two, a fool must conscientiously or consciously humble himself to receive truth and realize the affliction has been brought by God to bring him to repentance. I've prayed with men before who prayed for their children and said, God, do whatever it takes in the life of my child to bring them to yourself. That's kind of scary to pray. God will always do what is right but he is great and powerful. Number three, keep your mouth closed. Keep your mouth closed. Don't show how foolish you are and be counted wise. Look over to Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17 in verse number 28. Proverbs chapter 17 in verse 28. It says, Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. Hold your peace. Close your mouth. Don't speak, is what he's saying. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. You don't have to respond to everything. You don't, have to, you don't always have to say something. Now, even if you would say, Pastor Seth, I think I am a fool. Okay, so you're going to have a real problem with your mouth, and you already know that, and your tongue, you already know that. Anger, vulgarity probably comes out at just... It's almost like you can't stop it. It's a step of faith for you to say, God, I understand that I'm a fool, and my tongue's telling me that I'm a fool. God, I really struggle with this, but God, by your grace, I'm going to stop speaking. Now, not forever, but in certain situations. When you, when you know you, your, your flesh is just kind of percolating, and you, you're just going to say it how it is. You know, I mean, we're not going to beat around the bush. I'm just letting it out. I'm going to speak the truth. Don't. Don't. 
And you know what? If you'll do that, it'll be a step of faith God will bless. And it's the start. It's a start toward wisdom. It's a start. And you can do that. You can build on that. Number three, keep your mouth closed. Number four, examine the life of a fool. Habitual patterns of sin or folly are evidence that true humbling has not occurred in these areas in a person's life. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 11 11 says, As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. That's disgusting. A fool keeps going back again and again and again. Could be drug addiction, could be alcohol addiction, could be uh, looking at uh, wrong pictures on the internet. Um, It could be, you know, going back to the same argument again and again and again. Stop! Stop going back! As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly, his foolishness. Proverbs 13, verse 19 says, It is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. Isn't that interesting? It's an abomination. It turns their stomach. It's almost a disappointment for a fool to think about, I can't go back to that anymore. You mean you're disappointed that you can't go back to what's literally destroying your marriage? You're disappointed that you can't go back to what's literally destroying your children? Or what's destroying your church? Or what's destroying your business? What's the problem here? And the answer is, it's foolishness. It's fool. It's a fool. That's what God calls him. Uh, letter C, we're in relationships here. Um, uh, look at number one, friendships. How should you respond if you have a friend who's a fool? Mom and dad, you're going to have to help your children with this most likely. You need to be proactive. You need to be proactive. You ought to talk to the teachers of your children. Well, I don't like parent-teacher conferences. Um, I'm married to a teacher. So we're always having a parent-teacher conference. I don't like parent-teacher... I'm not talking about parent-teacher conference. Develop a good relationship with the teachers of your children. Do you pray for your teachers? The teachers of your children? Do you know their names? They know your child's name. They get to see your child in a setting where you might not get to see your child. Well, I know my child. (laughs) I know him better than... You know him really well, but you don't get to see him in that setting... In that class, and every class seems to take on a personality of its own. And if your child is in a class where there's a couple of fools and some scorners, guess what? That whole class can be infected by one or two fools or scorners. Your child's in danger. They're in danger. Now, they can do right. They can do right, but they're going to need your encouragement. Hey, I'd rather you not hang around them. Well, that doesn't sound very Christian. If you care about your child, you'll say that. Honey, I don't want you to be friends with them. You're so judgmental. No, I'm wisely protecting my child because my son or my daughter is a child. They don't have the wisdom. They haven't matured yet. They haven't grown up yet. Isn't it true in our lives as adults, it's still hard, it's easy to be swayed, isn't it? It's easy to be led and influenced. Well, so much more as a child. Mom and dad, it's our job. Embrace it. It's your responsibility. Train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians chapter 6. So a fool will reveal his foolishness. What is inside will come out. 
Watch the speech of your children's friends. Watch your children's speech and the reactions. Are they reacting with the roll of the eyes and... Okay, they're, they're really close. If they haven't, haven't already gone the way of fool, a fool, they're already on that path. And remember, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. We were all born into this world foolish. All of us. The, the, the only question is, is, will we continue in that? Will that become our character? Will it be galvanized into our lives Or will you as parents, by the grace of God, and I as a parent, by the grace of God, overcome that in the lives of our children? Um, Number two is dating. Number two is dating. None of my children are dating at this time. Right, Olivia? All right. We're not dating yet. Uh, What do you do if your child is interested in someone who's a fool? And that's why I put this in print. Because you ought to go back and you ought to look at it. And you ought to pour back over these. I haven't made it fancy. It's not even, it's not alliterated or anything like that. It's just scripture upon scripture upon scripture with basic definitions. And you, it may, I made it that way intentionally so you can go through and it just kind of jumps off the page. Wham! The characteristics. And you can go, honey, she likes a fool. And you ought to, it ought to be that reaction. What are we going to do? How is she going to respond to us? And you ought to, you, you, you and I as parents need to be convo, con, uh Cultivating that relationship. We ought to have the hearts of our children. So when we sit down and have a hard conversation and say, Honey, I, you know what? He's a great athlete. And, you know, he's, he's a smart guy. I know, he, boy, he's a hunk. But you know what? Mom and dad aren't, we're not, we're not at peace about this. And, honey, here's why. Because I've seen this. I've, I've heard him talk. And I see the friends he hangs out with. And, I, honey, trust me on this. This is not the kind of guy you're going to want to be married to someday. As your dad, I'm asking you to follow my leadership. You can have that conversation. Do you love your daughter? Do you love your son? You can have that conversation. I'm giving you a tool. This ought to go somewhere like in the safe. Okay? I mean it. Put it in the safe because you're going to lose it somewhere else. Go over to Chase Bank and get yourself one of those safe boxes and put these handouts in there. All right. Um, letter number three, work. Number uh, number number three, work. Work in church. Um, so within church, I mean, we all can play the fool at times. Um, if we start walking the flesh, it can gain steam. Certainly, you see that in the workplace. And so require accountability for somebody who's a fool or struggling with foolishness. Give them minimal responsibility. Beware of flattery. This person will cover hatred with lying lips. Beware of revealing secrets. Their much meddling and empty speech will lead to trouble. Beware of placing a fool in a position of leadership or prominence. They will lead others astray and will be unreliable themselves. Expect excuses. Don't raise your hand, but do you have any fools working for you at work? You might. You might. Supervise them carefully because of selfishness uh, a possi- and possibly immoral heart, a lack of focus and direction. This person will easily shame your company or hurt the church's testimony. Limit their exposure to important clients and the general public in uh, <laughs> 
make sure they are doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it. There needs to be high accountability. Do not coddle them. Do not coddle them. Consequences must accompany correction for misconduct and carefully observe to see whether or not they will return to their foolishness and how they respond to correction. A poor response will indicate the need for greater action. Beware of responding in anger and personal frustration. This person just doesn't get it. Don't don't respond like them. Remember, answer not a fool according to his foolishness, his folly. If they don't, you're going to answer them. You're going to give them correction. You're going to help them. You're going you're to be gracious to them. But if they will not hear it, there's nothing really you can do. And if you're running a company, you probably won't be able to keep them very long. Number four, your spouse. Your spouse. Guard yourself and pray that affliction brings repentance. Now you say, well, what if God doesn't bring affliction? He will. We've already seen that. God will bring affliction upon the life of a fool. It will happen. And when it comes, it's going to come really hard. And when you're married to a fool, you're in it with them. You're in it with them. Till death do us part. You're in it with them. And and you might be tempted to say, well, you know what? I didn't do this. Or I didn't know anything about this. Or they're the one... Not me. What should you do? Well, discord, anger, sorrow, and shame will mark your home. It will be easy to respond in kind with this angry, contentious person. It will be easy to learn their ways, but answer not a fool according to his folly. Don't be like them. Avoid the heated arguments, the selfish manipulation, the threats. They will not solve the problem, but they will make you like them. Don't do it. Wives, wives, submit and be quiet. You say, Seth, I'm not, I think you misprinted something. No, I didn't. I'm using plain biblical language. That's what I'm using. Meekness and the model of grace and truth will be most effective. 1 Peter chapter 3, those first six verses, the Bible gives instruction to the wives to be quiet. Do you know how much influence you have over your husband? Do you know how much influence you have over your husband? I'm going to read from 1 Peter chapter 3, because I'm not sure you agree with me that that's biblical. He says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, if any husband's not obeying the word of God, they also may, without the word, maybe they don't even, won't even read it, they won't listen to it preached. They, without the word, will be won by the conversation of the wives. Let's say your husband doesn't go to church, he doesn't darken the door of a church. He never reads his Bible. He does not care, he doesn't believe the Bible is true. Listen to me, you have so much influence in the life of your husband that by your subjection to your own husband... And the way you live your life, you can literally win your husband to the Lord. Verse 2, he says, While they behold your chaste, that's pure, conversation, the way you live your life should be pure, coupled with fear, 
whose adorning, let it not be that outward adornment of the plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. That's not, the outward is, is beautiful, but that's not the most important, he says. Verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. That's the Lord Jesus Christ in you, ma'am. In that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. And listen to this. Which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, if God's willing to say that a meek and quiet spirit in the life of a woman is in God's sight of great price, we're talking mega value. That's something that you as a wife ought to embrace. Sometimes a husband is dead wrong. And, and, and there are times where husbands need to be reminded of that. But the way you do it is so very, very important. The way you do it is so very, very important. Husbands, lead and love your wife. A cool head, a calm response will set the stage for communication and growth. Don't tear your wife down. Not to her, not to others. If she's, a, if she's a foolish woman, limit her access to meddle in someone else's business. Consider carefully what secrets that you'll share and never threaten her, never scream at her, never use physical violence. Pray for daily patience if your wife is a fool. And this process will be like a, continually, a continual dropping, a rain that never seems to stop. Be kind, be firm, expect Expect opposition, expect tirades, expect rebellion, expect bribery when you overrule her wishes. It will test your strength, both in resolve and in the manner of response. If the problem is a, a sinful habit in the life of your wife and she's a fool, carefully observe her response to correction. Remember, it's, a, it's an abomination for a fool. It's disgusting for a fool to stop sinning. And if they return to their sin... Consequences need to be brought to bear. But unlike a parent-child relationship, consequences obviously are different. In cases of immorality or abuse, this may even include temporary separation. Number five, and we'll, we'll wrap things up. Number five, for children, it, the foolishness needs, needs to be driven out. And I have several passages here. We've read them. We've looked at them spent time in them. It's talking about corporal punishment for children. It's biblical. It ought to be a part of your parenting. Reproof without the rod is powerless over foolishness. If I just reprove my child and say, stop that. I said, stop that. Stop that. I'm serious. I said, stop it. Would you stop it? I'm not going to put up with it. I'm not going to tell you again. What do you mean you're not going to tell him again? Of course you're going to tell him again. I said, stop that. This is the last time. And they're looking at you like, are you for real? I can do whatever I want. You just wave your arms and make faces and threaten and it, you don't do anything. Reproof without the rod is powerless over the foolish. You will never drive the foolishness out of your child. You will raise a foolish child unless without, without, without corporal punishment. And I'm talking about spanking. And by the way, some of us have some really good children, and, and I don't have anybody in mind when I'm saying this. Some of us, and I've heard parents say this before, 
you know, my child just never does anything wrong. They're just like the perfect child. And again, I'm saying, are you reading the Bible? Do you know who your child is? Maybe you've set the standards for your child so low all around them that they just, your standards, you don't, they don't have any laws. They do whatever they want to do. Wherever they go, it's just, woo, <laughs> you do whatever you want to do. Is, are you training them up for reality? No, because in life there are laws. Put up a law and tell them no about something and see how they respond to you. And if that one doesn't take, put up another one. See how they respond. Now, I'm not saying you're trying to bait your child, but you remember in the Old Testament, God gave us the law for one particular reason. That was to show us our sinfulness. He gave us the law, not so that we could attain it, because he knew we couldn't attain it. He wanted us to know we're sinners, and we need God. And if you want your child to recognize their need for God, they need to know that they're a sinner. And I don't care how great of a child you have, they're a sinner. And I love my children, and I think they're awesome. But you know what? Just like every other child, just like their daddy, they're sinners too. They're sinners too. So many verses talk about a foolish son bringing his parents to shame. Use the rod and reproof. Use them both. Don't just use the rod. Don't just spank and send them away. You need to reprove them. Son, this is why you're getting a spanking. This is why you're getting a reminder. If you do this again, this, is, this will be the consequence. Uh, correct for a change of heart attitude. That's what your goal is. A change of heart attitude. You're not just trying to get them to comply and go along. Compliance isn't necessarily submission. If the child is still responding poorly to correction, bring more consequences to bear. Consequence must continue until a change in attitude occurs, and this will be evidenced differently at different ages uh, for different children. There ought to be a tenderness, a a sensitivity. There ought to be a quietness within the spirit of your child. Have a high accountability and safeguards in areas of previous sin. I'm talking more for teenagers there. If they've fallen into a certain thing, you need to raise the standard, raise the bar. Recently, my counsel to a parent was, if you have to get rid of the internet and every smartphone and every iPad in your home to protect your child, you do it. If you, if you do not have the technological savvy, and most of us do not, to set up firewalls or whatever else it takes to protect our children from seeing that which they ought not, get rid of it. A, a police officer, an unsafe police officer, was standing before a church, and he made this comment uh, to the congregation. He basically said, if you're ready for your children to view those things, and I'm speaking in vague terms intentionally, then give them a smartphone and an iPad. Because they will see it. This is just an unsaved law enforcement officer. And he told the church, and he's an unsaved man, he said, now, I don't care what you do. That's what he said. I wouldn't say that to you. That's what he said to them. I don't care what you do as adults. You can do whatever you want. But I do care about your kids. If, you don't, if you're ready for them to look at those things, then let them have internet access. And if it's not hardcore, it will be the thing before that that whets the appetite and uh, flares and ignites the imagination. Raise the bar. 
We're in a different world uh, in the sense of opportunity. Not in the sense of the heart. The heart's not any different. The flesh isn't any different. But the opportunities, the availability is different. It's more readily available. I don't recommend that you give your child a smartphone. I do not. I do not. Avoid sarcasm when you're interacting with your child if they're a fool. Don't be sarcastic with your child. Don't embarrass your child. Don't use yelling as a means of correction. Remember, answer not a fool according to their folly. Don't argue with them. Don't place yourself at the child's level, especially with teenagers. Maintain your poise. Communicate your expectations. Assign consequences. They ought to know where the, where the line is. Be careful. Don't get into a debate. And don't argue. Don't argue. Have answers. Have answers for your children. Answer a fool, lest they become wise in their own conceit. If you've not trained your child to respond properly to correction, by the time that they're a teenager, it's going to be a challenge. I work at this. We work at this with our children. We know we're laying groundwork now for 10 years from now. Or in some cases now, five years from now. Is it next year? Ian will be in the youth group? Next year? Pastor Burden, you ready for that? All right. All right. Sounds a little odd, doesn't it? You ought to be laying groundwork for that. The way of truth is best, so teach your children how to walk in the truth, and whenever possible, show them why. Why they should, why they shouldn't. When you give the command, when you give the instruction, this will help preempt the wrong response and the wrong conduct of, but why? Why can't I? (laughs) Well, here's why. Here's why. You ought to think it through. Sometimes, even with my own children, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to say. I don't always know what to say. And so instead of saying what I ought not say, I'll wait until I formulate. I'll even write some things down. And then I'll look for an opportunity. I'll pray for an opportunity to talk with one of my children about something. There are a few things right now. So and I have talked about, and we've decided, you know what, we need to talk to our children about these things. We haven't done it yet. Why? Because the right opportunity hasn't come up. So you need to pray that way. Look, parent, parent at this level. Uh, number six, leadership. Leadership. Well, I've missed several of those. Hope you got them as I was going along. Leadership and authority. If you're working for somebody who's a fool, avoid provoking them to anger and sorrow. Instead, obey with meekness. We talked about that this morning. We saw it in Ephesians, New Testament, didn't we? Obey them that have the rule over you. Uh, It would be Hebrews. Uh, Ephesians 6 talked about be obedient to your masters. You know those slaves in Ephesians didn't get to choose their masters. Well, I'd do a better job if, if, if my employer was better. That wasn't what he told them. You know, it's probably not going to be common for a fool to be in a place of authority because of the shame they cause and their lack of wisdom. Sometimes God puts fools in places of authority as judgment upon a group of people. Did you hear me? Presidents, governors, senators, throughout our human history, kings. Sometimes God puts fools in positions of authority to bring judgment upon a group of people. How you respond to them, 
Don't, don't get involved with the quick temper and the unstable actions. And remember this, before we were saved, we all were fools. We were at the very least simple, we were fools. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we've, we've kind of just 